Let's give these uh, parents a round of applause one more time. You guys can exit down. Really cool to see that, and um, I'm, I'm excited to, to be able to, to speak to you today. My name is Wade Bryan. I'm the director of high school and emerging generations here at Grace Point. And, uh, you know, we uh, just a beautiful sight to see that and all the excitement that surrounded Grace Point this week. Uh, many of you know, if you drove by, that, that uh, the film festival, Bentonville Film Festival, was hosted here. Even the award ceremony was here on Friday night. Um, a lot of things went on. Uh, there were so many lights and excitement and all those different things that actually they busted our lights. And so all we've had is like the regular, there's no color or anything. That's not a knock against you mothers, okay? Like we want to, you bring color into our world. Um, but the f- film festival took it out of it, okay? So um, so anyways, uh, we, we just, uh, you know, we want to say happy Mother's Day um, to you guys. And I know that this this day for some is just so joyful. Um, this this day for some is is a reminder, um, you know, just how much your kids love you and 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 the things that you've done well as a, as a mom. We know for some that this day brings up you know just memories of loss or a life that didn't happen, um, a miscarriage or or whatever that might be. And maybe you're you're in here and you're you're a foster mother and you only get a child for a couple of weeks or a couple of months at a time and. And so all of these things, Mother's Day brings all of these different emotions up. And so we just want you to know as a church that we celebrate you or we mourn with you or we, we meet you where you are in this stage of life that you're in. And so, but happy Mother's Day, regardless, we want to say that. And I, I would be a terrible son if I didn't say happy Mother's Day to my mom. Um, she is awesome. She's back in Texas. Um, and you know, if you know me, um, that she has gained a lot of crowns in heaven um, from raising me and having the patience and the endurance to do so. And so happy Mother's Day, Mom. Um, and then I, I also want to say happy Mother's Day to my wifey, um, Brooke. Um, she is, you see my son there, uh, Zion James, the stud there, um, takes after his mom. And, uh, and then we have Oakland May who's coming in July and she's cooking in the oven. So we're just waiting to, to hold her. And so, but it's really exciting. Um, I, I see every single day um, just how much Brooke passes on the character of God to our children. And, and it's the greatest thing, the greatest compliment that I can give her as a mother is that she is literally passing on the character of God into our kids. And, and I love that. So happy Mother's Day to, to my wife, Brooke. And um, the last few weeks, uh, we have been in a, a series called Mistakes. Um, today, we will not do a mistake series because um, never should you mention mom and mistake in the same sentence, okay? Like that is not. And if Mike told me to preach on Mother's Day and said, hey, I want you to continue the mistake, I would have said, no, not doing this to me because you just can't. It's not supposed to go in the same sentence. Um, my dad used to say this, and I, I believe it is, as truth. Um, he said, if, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, Okay. And I, that is why I will not be continuing on to a mistake series this week. Um, yes, he does say ain't. He, we do live in Texas. Um, he has also been quoted as saying this, I ain't never spoken a double negative, okay? Um, so, so just know like, that's where that comes from. Um, but ain't is a word in my, in my book. Uh, but we are, um, I, I wanted to, just to start off, I wanted to tell you some mistakes, not that my mom made, because again, bad idea. Um, but me, as a son, the mistakes that I made, okay, just to kind of lighten us up and, and get us ready for, to jump into the message. But 
couple or a few mistakes that I made as a kid. One, when I was in six, when I was six or seven, I was kind of a mama's boy. And, uh, I, every night I wanted to lay on my mom and, uh, she would scratch my back and kind of get me ready for bed. And it was really sweet. Um, when I was six and seven, I, uh, I would look up at her and I would say, mom, you're so fluffy. (laughs) And, and which is okay as a six or seven year old. Now do not, that would be a mistake if I would to still today say, mom, you're so fluffy. Um, not a good idea. Okay. Um, but then it was kind of a mistake. She was like, Oh, thanks son. You know, like (laughs) appreciate that. Um, another mistake that I made was, was not remembering that moms have eyes in the back, back of their head and have supersonic hearing. I don't know how they do it, but they know exactly what's going on at all times in your house. And so I would, I remember I, I would knock stuff over, especially my teenage years. I did not have it took me a while to grow into my body. And, and so like I would knock stuff over and I'd like think I'd catch it. And all of a sudden you'd hear, what was that? And you're like, how did you hear that? You know, like you're in the other side of the house. But I remember the mistake I made was that not remembering that my mom had, you know, eyes in the back of her head and supersonic hearing. Last mistake I'll tell you about, I, I have ADD and it's not uncommon if you know me. I get distracted really easily. So we would walk into store, pretty much any store, and I would get distracted by something shiny or a toy section or something. We used to go into Walmart and I would be like, toys, you know, and I would, all of a sudden my mom would be pushing the car and she'd be like, where's Wade, you know, and, and I'd be gone. And so I, uh, I, I had the tendency to wander off and my mom is what you call vertically challenged. Okay. She is four foot 11 and a half. Um, she says she's five foot. It's not true. Um, but she's about here. Okay. And so, so she's vertically challenged and I would wander off. And so I, I had to learn to adapt to try to find her because I made a mistake by wandering off and I'd have to adapt. Um, also, uh, my mom is from Texas. And so if you know anything about Texas, especially in the nineties, um, women in Texas were known for their big hair. Does anybody remember this? Okay. So my mom had the big hair with the rest of them. And so that made her like six foot, um, just (laughs) not, not quite, but she had big hair. And so I learned that whenever I would get lost that I, my mom was the perfect height in Walmart just to where her hair floated over the racks. And so I would, I would stand in the middle of the store and be like, okay, where's my, oh, there she is. And I would just see the floating hair. I'm like, that's my mom. And so I did make some mistakes as a kid, but I, but I learned to adapt and, and learn from them. And I think that's all we can ask, but this is not a mistake series. Okay. Um, but we, we are talking about, um, something that, that kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, but, but one thing that I will say, how cool was it to see parents and families up here dedicating really themselves to what God has for them? of what God has spoken in their life for them to be able to pass on the things that they know to the next generation, to their kids. One of the most important jobs, and that's why we say today, Happy Mother's Day, um, because you do a great work each and every day. And my message really, it's not necessarily a Mother's Day message. It's for all of us, really. And, and I've basically entitled it, Waiting to Excel or to Inhale. Okay. And if you know that movie waiting to excel, don't act like you don't probably a guilty pleasure for some of you. Um, I'm glad the Bentonville film festival people aren't here because you know, copyright, I didn't get the copyright to this message. Um, but it, waiting to excel, this idea of breathing out, you're, you're waiting to breathe out. And, and today simply, very simply is about this breathing in and breathing out. And it's one of the most natural things for us. No one has to coach us when we come out of 
of the womb, no one has to say, okay, now this is the part where you take a breath and then you breathe out, okay? And no one has to sit there. You don't have to learn that, right? Like you come out and you know how to breathe because it's the basic necessity of you living. And so breathing in and breathing out is very natural. It's second nature. And I am daring to say today, the message that I have that God has put on my heart is that we also, it should be second nature for us to breathe in the things of God and breathe out the things of God. That should be so natural for us to take in more and more of God and then not hold it in, but actually exhale it onto people around us. He has given this ministry to us that we should take in more of him and breathe out more of him. And so I know for moms, it's hard. You know, when we think about breathing in the things of God, it's hard to find time to do that. Um, to to get into the word to to spend some quality time with God and I I dare to say that that most of your quiet times as a mom do do not look like this where you're like I got my Bible and my pen I've got my coffee and I'm just gonna go relax on the porch you know um, while my dog looks at me um, sorry <laughs> I, I found that I just noticed that dog in their last service I was like why did I put that in there um, uh, but anyways that's not what it looks like right this all of this quality time because I can I can say this probably as a mom you you realize this is probably reality the thing that I really miss as a mother silence right. <laughs> There's not many moments where there's like, there's space and silence. And so um, kind of the reality of the thing is, is most quiet times as a mom look like this, right? Um, and, and it's like, how do I find time to breathe in God? How do I find time to actually do that? And, and because this is what my life looks like. And I am constantly getting my hair pulled and have to change diapers and do all of these things. And I have a million things to do. And so, um, it, but it is important just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not important. This idea of breathing in God. And I'll say this, I'm going to throw a few facts at you. This is the first one. Fact number one is that 100% of people who have stopped breathing indefinitely have died. It's sad, but it's true, right? Like if you stop breathing indefinitely, there's not much question you are gone, okay? Like you're not living anymore. And that is fact number one. If you want to fact check me, you can. Um, don't try it out um, because we don't want to get people in here and have to cart you out, all right? It is 100% of people that, that stop breathing indefinitely, they will die. And, and so as you can imagine, breathing is important, correct? Like, would you agree with me that breathing is important? Breathing in and breathing out. And I will say it's just as important to breathe in the things of God and breathe out the things of God. When you're not breathing in God and breathing out God, you really are spiritually dead, right? You, you die spiritually because you're going away from the very basic necessity of us as believers of this ability to, to take in God and, and breathe him out onto people. And, and even how important breath is, God took the time, whenever he created man, he took the time on his own to breathe into the lungs of Adam. His own breath, the, the living breath into Adam. And that's what he does to all of us. God, individually, as we were born, as we come into this world, God takes the moments and he takes the time to breathe into us. And that is how we start living. So it's important. It's important. And, and, and sometimes, I'll say this, sometimes you don't realize how important things are until it's taken away, right? Have you ever experienced that? You don't really truly how important something is until it's gone. 
And, and, and so breathing is so important. And, and we're reminded of this thing. I can remember whenever our, our family, our, our children's minister, um, Leodra Franklin and her husband were expecting their second boy, Colby. I remember when he came in, um, it was kind of a shock. He came three weeks early. Um, and whenever he was born, he was having trouble breathing on his own. He, he couldn't breathe. And I, and I remember this so vividly. Leodra was kind of freaked out by it. But I remember going to the hospital um, to Mercy. And, and after we got this email, and I remember taking, Brooke and I taking them Einstein bagels. I don't know why. It just seemed like the right thing to do. Um, you're in the hospital. Here's some Einstein bagels. And so, but, but I remember they had had a long three days where they were waiting um, for, for Colby to start breathing on his own. He was in the NICU for three weeks and they were just waiting with, with he was getting support and, and they were waiting for him to breathe on his own and on his own accord. And, and, and I remember walking out of the hospital and Daniel walked me out and I remember being so encouraged by this. But Daniel said, last night I was, I was I'm so tired. I'm, I'm worried about my son. And he said, so I went home and I did the only thing I knew that would comfort me. I went and did a word study in scripture about breath. And I, and I, I looked and I expected kind of just to find, you know, a couple things or references, but I needed anything to, to surround myself that God was in control. And, and, and he looked into this and, and he, he was overwhelmed by how much breath was mentioned in scripture. If you don't believe, do, me, do a word study when, when you get home about all the times that breath and breathing is mentioned in scripture. And, and he was like, it was so comforting to know that my God is in control of breath. He is in control of whether Colby breathes or not. And I have to find comfort and rest in that. For some of us, the story goes differently. I will say this, that, that sometimes God chooses not to breathe life into a baby. I don't know why. I don't understand it. I don't have to like it. But God is the one that's in control. And, and I, this is a story that, that is, is true for me. I know the significance of this because my mom carried my brother full term. And they didn't have all these sonogram things. They didn't know what was going on. And whenever my brother was born, they found out that he had a thing called Potter's disease. And, and that's where the kidneys don't really fully develop, if they develop at all. And whenever you come out and one organ is kind of shutting down, what happens is your body, the rest of the organs try to overcompensate to keep you alive, to keep you going. And so when my, when my brother was born, didn't have kidneys, immediately his body went into shock and his lungs started working overtime, his heart started working overtime. And for the next few hours of his short life, he fought and fought to try to stay alive. And they actually wanted to care flight him to Dallas. And, and eventually, before 24 hours was up, my brother passed away and he's buried today in, in Paris, Texas. And, and so my mom... My family, we understand the importance of breath. We understand that God chooses to breathe in life. And, and, and even though we don't like it, that is the reality that God is very much in control of our breath. And I, and I asked my mom to, if I could share this story because it is, it is hard still. But she sent me this text message about it today. And I was just kind of, as she was reliving this, her text message said this. So I have no regrets of the experience and I felt that I was blessed with Derek for a reason. I know that it brought the best out of your dad and I saw a side of him I will cherish always. When Derek started slipping away on the flight to Dallas and they were still far away, dad told them to fly back 
to me and we rocked the sweet baby while he passed and went on to be with Jesus. I know in my heart that I will be with him again. I know we'll know him instantly. The most amazing experience of that day is that the love and peace of God was there and he gave it to me to get through it. And 32 years later, I still long to hold him. And I, and I do, I still long to see my brother and I know I will meet him again. But it's a reminder that we have no control over the breath that God gives. Acts reminds us that, that he himself gives us life and breath and in him we have our life in our being. God is in control and it is important. Breath is so important. And if we want truly to breathe in God and breathe out, one of the places that we have to start is Scripture because all Scripture is God-breathed. It's how we experience truly the breath of God. And so I want you to ask, your, I want, want you to ask yourself something. You've got a margin, uh, a thing on your, on your bulletin, a margin on each side. I want you to write down how are you currently breathing God in whether that be through podcasts or books that you're reading or scripture or you pray on the way to work or you worship on the way to work, hopefully not with your eyes closed and hands raised. What, what is it? What does your breathing in look like currently? Like how are you breathing God in? And then on the other margin, how are you breathing God out? How are you passing on the things that God is pouring into you onto the next generation? How are you breathing out or ministering to our world. I want you to take a couple moments, write, write some things down. And as I'm talking, I want you to be reminded, okay, here's the things that I'm doing. And, and I'll tell you this, if one of the, one of the sides, one of the lists are, are longer than the other, there's, there needs to be this leveling out of what you're breathing in and breathing out. Because here's the deal. Here's your second fact. It is impossible to live only by breathing in or only by breathing out. You cannot say today, you know what? This seems like a breathing in kind of day. I'm just going to breathe in. I'm just going to not, breathing out takes way too much time. So I'm just going to focus on breathing in. And we're going to test this right now. If you are only breathing in, if, if, and also if there's a nurse in the room, you're going to be, want to be on standby, okay? Because we're going to try this to only breathe in, okay? You can't take any breaths out, but on the count of three, I want you to just breathe in. And then when you feel like you are ready to breathe out, breathe in some more. And then if you feel like you're going to pass out, stop trying to do it, okay? So let's do it. One, two, three. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? Like if, if you decided to do that all day, you couldn't do it. Also, you got, let's try the other side. When you walked in, you might have gotten a balloon. That was not for your own benefit and fun, okay? Although it is. But I, I want you to try this. I want you to, without taking a breath, without taking a breath in, I want you to breathe out and try to blow up the balloon. You ready? See how, see how big it can get. Ready? Ugh. It's as far as I got. How many of you, some of you guys are show-offs. Okay. Now, because I'm a youth pastor, this is fun. Squeeze it out. Squeeze the air out. Oh, man, that's good. Just wait till you go to Mother's Day lunch afterwards. All right. 
So it's, it's hard, right? You can't do one or the other. You can't just breathe in and you can't just breathe out. I want you to keep this in your Bible as a reminder that you went to clown school and no, that you have to breathe in and breathe out. You have to. It's a necessity. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. It's okay. I have ADD, I said. So, uh, all right. But you can't do one or the other. You can't just breathe in and you can't just breathe out. You have to do both. You have to. And so let me, let me do this. I do this on Wednesday night. It's, it's a little segment I like to call Confessions of a Youth Pastor. Okay? Because I have had seasons where I have only breathed in God. And I've had seasons where I've only been breathing out God. In the natural order of things, this breathing in and breathing out is a both and. All, both need to happen almost in sequence, almost naturally, just as we breathe in and breathe out. And so let me tell you about a season where I was only breathing in. I was only taking in knowledge of God. I was only like almost selfishly trying to learn as much as I could about God and feeding myself. It was my freshman year in college. And I remember going to a, I was at a dollar store and I found this, this Bible and it was in the, in the dollar store and it was $2, which I, last service I realized I got gypped on that deal. Like, why is it at a dollar store and it's $2? But anyways, I I picked this up and it was like, I had this thought and I think it was from God. I was like, and he said, I want you to pick up that Bible. And for the next year, I just want you to read and learn as much as you can about me. And so that's what I did. I grabbed this Bible and for a year, I just poured into that thing. I tore it apart. I, I underlined everything. I learned all of these things about God and I learned all of these things about his word. But what happened is I take, I took all that in and I wasn't in a ministry. I wasn't in a church at that time. And I was just puffing myself up. I was just learning all of these things. And I didn't have, I didn't even tell my parents like what I was doing. I would study that thing vigorously. And I, and, and they were just like, he, I would go into my room for hours and, and they were like, what are you doing? And, and, and so what I, but I wasn't pouring it out. And so there was this, this, this thing that happened to me where I almost became like a Pharisee and I was almost arrogant on the things that I knew, and it was worthless. And, and at the end of that year, I remember thinking, like, what was the point of all that? Sure, I learned some really cool things about God, but isn't there more than this? So that's whenever I was only breathing in. Another part of my life when, when I was almost only breathing out was, it happened a couple years ago, right before my son was born in August of 2013. I was pretty extended I was doing a lot of things. We were doing the What on Earth series, and I was kind of doing a lot of things for that. I was pouring out. I was getting ready for calendars, knowing that I was going to be out for a few weeks because my son was being born, um, getting people lined up. And I was just, it seemed like I was constantly pouring out. At the end of the day, I just remember being so tired. And then when you're already tired and you have a newborn and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, like, how do I... I mean, I need to change the diaper. I know that. And you're not getting any sleep. And all of a sudden, you are pouring out all of your love, all of your energy, all of your strength onto this little newborn. And, and this was all happening in sequence to where I was doing a lot of ministry. But I, but I realized a couple months into my son being born that I hadn't taken the time to get myself into a routine of getting into the Word still, of praying of just spending moments with God. And all of a sudden I was just breathing out and breathing out and breathing out. And at the end of the day, this is a warning for you. What happened to me is that I got shingles. Okay? So my message today is if you don't read scripture, you're getting shingles. (laughs) 
Just kidding. It might not happen like that. But for me, that's what happened. And, and I remember telling people after the fact, after kind of realized what was going on and I was so stressed out and I was pouring out all this time, I remember telling people that was a physical representation of my spiritual self. That what was going on with my body and it breaking down was a, an actual look into my spiritual soul. That I was not pouring or breathing in as I was breathing out. And so that is my confession. We all go through seasons like this where we are breathing in or breathing out. And it's, it, it can be so detrimental to our souls and our spiritual walk. Bill Heibel said this, that God has not called you to be a reservoir, but a conduit. Literally, you're not supposed to be stockpiling the things of God, but you're supposed to be, it's supposed to be flowing through you to the next person that needs it. And if you open your Bibles to Psalm 71, that's where we're going to be today for the majority. Psalm 71, I'm going to put it up on screen and I'm going to read it 15 through 18, if you would read along with me. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts for all or who to come. You see the psalmist in this passage, this thing where he is experiencing the things of God. He sees his righteous deeds. He sees his marvelous acts. He is breathing in God. And what does he want to do? Does he want to hold on to them and, and, and not give it to anybody else? No. He says, God, do not forsake me until I pass this on to the next generation. Please let me, as I have breathed you in, let me breathe you out. Please, God, do not forsake me until I do that. And, and this idea of breathing in and breathing out is, is all throughout Scripture. We see for parents, Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then what, do what with it? As you have this relationship, impart them onto your children. Teach them when you're walking along the way, when you're standing up, when you're sitting down. Write them on your doorpost. Take what I have poured into you and give it to the next generation. And that is how this faith is going to pass down. For the church, in 2 Corinthians, we're reminded that as we have received, as we have, as we have breathed in God, and He has reconciled us to Himself through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, that we're not supposed to just take that salvation and be like, cool, I got my get-out-of-hell-free card, so I'm good. No, our response then is to go and be ministers to be ambassadors to God's reconciliation and pass that on to other people. That is what we're called to at the basis of who we are as Christians. And if you think you're in here and you're a teenager or you're young and, and you're like, well, I'm not really a parent. I'm not really, you know, old and gray yet. I'm not really, you know, I, I go to church, but I don't know if I'm a part of the church. If that's kind of your story, remember this in 1 Timothy um, 4.12, uh, 4.11 and 12, that, that don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example in life, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. You have no free pass. Just because you're young, you are also supposed to be setting an example 
in your life. And then the last thing, as we look on to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, the very basis, God pours into us. He tells us about his good works. And then we're supposed to go, therefore, to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded us. As he's commanded us, we're supposed to teach them to others. And then in Acts 1.8, perfect example of this, breathing in and breathing out, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on to you, and you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You breathe in my spirit, and then you go, and you breathe it out onto other people. And so there's these natural things of breathing in, breathing out. That's supposed to be what's supposed to be happening. I watched a movie recently. I don't recommend it at all. And please don't email Mike and said I talked about it because it's really not good. Um, but I, I watched a movie recently called Lucy. If you've ever seen it, then I'm sorry for the time that you wasted on watching it. But, but I, did, I did gather some things from it, and I, and I think it's really important. So basically the premise is this, that Morgan Freeman, it starts off, and Morgan Freeman uh, is, is speaking, he's lecturing about the human brain. And, I mean, Morgan Freeman could read the phone book and it would be interesting, right? Like, you're like, I'm hanging on to every word. Um, but but he's ta- he starts talking and he's like, he's like, humans, really, all we use of our brain is about 8 to 10%. I saw some Nelba edges, like, that's you. Um, but 8 to 10% of our, of our capacity in our brain, that's all we use. And, and he, he starts hypothesizing and kind of theorizing what, what would happen if we actually used all 100%. What, what would happen if we used 20%? Because you can see the things that we do, the things that we build, the technology that, have, that we have. What would happen if we increase that? And so he starts hypothesizing this. And he does this, and, and, he, and, he, and he says, you know, what would that be like? And, and fast forward to this other narrative going on. Scarlett Johansson's character is, is actually kind of caught up in the wrong crowd, and, and, and she gets kidnapped and she becomes a drug mule for this black market drug. And basically this drug, its, its essence is that it increases brain function, okay? In these little quantity, quantities, it kind of gives you like this jolt and you're like aware and things like that. It might sound a little bit like crack, but you know, whatever. Um, it, it's, it goes on this and it increases this brain function. And so what happens? She gets kidnapped. They open her up. They put a bag of this, this drug inside of her. They sew her back up and then they send her off so that she can, you know, pass that, you know, they can open her back up and it's just sounds like a great Saturday, right? And so she does this. And what happens is, is, is the drugs actually get released into her bloodstream. And this whole big bag gets released. And all of a sudden, her brain goes into overdrive. And she's awakened to all of this knowledge and this wisdom. And she's seeing the world in a different way. And, and she gets to this point where she's like, I have all of this knowledge. I have all of these things. And I'm literally going crazy inside. What should I do? So she finds Morgan Freeman's character, this expert in this field. And she calls him and says, what should I do? And, and this is his response. He said, Lucy, if you're asking me what you should do with all this knowledge you accumulated, I say, pass it on. Pass it on. And so that's what she does. She says, I have all this knowledge. I, I shouldn't just die and, and, and be to waste. I should pass on the things that I've learned to the next generation. So she does what I would do. She goes on a killing spree. And then she um, makes herself into a computer. I don't know how, but she does. She figures out the way because she has increased brain function. And she downloads herself and puts it on a USB drive. So 
Like I said, I don't recommend this, this movie. You get to the end, you're like, really? Like, did you just run out of paper, like, as you were writing this? But, but she, that's what she does. And, and, and so, and, and I, you know, like, going and killing people to pass on the knowledge, I don't recommend that. But, but honestly, I admire, I admire her fortitude, right? I admire her urgency on passing this knowledge down. I have all of these things in my head. I have all these things in my heart. Now, I, I must, I need to pass that on to the next generation. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to go on this killing spree and make myself into a computer. And, and honestly, if we had that same urgency, if we took Morgan Freeman's advice, which you know you would if he was speaking directly to you, and, and he says, you know what you should do with the things that you've learned? You know what you should do with the things that you're struggling with? I, I say pass it on. And that is exactly the heart of God. That as you breathe in the things of God, that he wants you to breathe out onto other people and have urgency about it. Not let it, not let, let an opportunity slip you or pass you by. Jeremiah 20 verse 9, it says this. It said, if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is a, in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. When you have breathed in the word of God, it should be like this fire that you cannot wait to pass it on to somebody else. You cannot wait to speak what God has taught you onto somebody else. You should have that same urgency that caused Scarlett Johansson to kill people to pass it on, okay? Now, don't kill people for the word of God, okay? Like, in God's name, no. Like, but it should be that same urgency. It's like a fire shut up in you that you cannot wait until you can pass it on to the next generation. And even in our theme verse, you see that same urgency. God, do not forsake me. You've given me all these things. You've, I've experienced you in all of these different ways. Please, God, do not forsake me until I pass that on to the next generation for all of those are who, who are to come. God, let that be my story, that all that I have learned, that I have literally in the same breath poured out onto other people. And that is what we are called to do as believers, is to breathe in and breathe out. Last fact, and then I'll wrap up. If you are alive today, you are breathing in and breathing out something. If you're alive today, you are taking things in of our culture, of our world, of whatever it is that you put in your body, and you are breathing that same thing out. What goes in must come out. And so what is it? What are you breathing in? Is it the things of God? Is it his glory? Is it his majesty? Is it his excellence? Is it his worship that you're breathing in and breathing out? Or is it something that in the end is meaningless as, as we hear from Song of Solomon or the, the Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes? Are you just chasing the wind? And so what are you breathing in and breathing out? You are breathing in something. And what are you passing on to the next generation? John Maxwell said this. He said, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. What's in the very core of your heart and your soul, that is what you reproduce. You might know things about God, but until it inundates you and it becomes a part of your breath and your lungs and it breathes on another people, you are reproducing who you are and what's in your heart. And there's been a lot of study, and I, I wrestle with this a lot as a, as a high school pastor. Um, we were actually about to celebrate 
um, graduation recognition Sunday, next Sunday. And there's going to be all of these seniors that are graduating that, that are going to get honored and they're going on to the next stage. And, and it's been said over and over again that, that actually about 50% of seniors that graduate in college will lose their faith. They will walk away from the church, they will stop going, and they will do their own thing. That's a staggering statistic that literally, if you look next week of the people lined up on stage that that you could count off, one out of every two will, will leave their faith. And it's hard. And so, but but new studies are coming out. And, and Vern Bingston wrote this book called Families and Faith. And and he talks about, you know, the ones that, that are actually modeling their, their faith of their parents, they're actually going into their faith of their parents, this is what it looks like. The ones that are doing it well, this is what they have done. They're actually looking at this thing called parental warmth. This is where parents are walking alongside their, their kids and they're doing this, that, that parents were consistent, they were unconditionally supportive, and they were active role models of love, respect, and patience with their children. And you see this intentionality of parents. That is how we pass on to the, our faith to the next generation. That is how it sticks whenever you're actually modeling it, when you're living it out, when you're breathing out the things that you're breathing in. You're reproducing who you are. The same study shows that, that today's culture, if you're like, well, I'm not a parent, I'm kind of an empty nester, or I'm a grandparent, or I'm a great-grandparent, the study actually shows that today's generation actually has more influence from their grandparents and great-grandparents than any other generation before them because people are living longer and there's more time with them. And the, the ways that, that we're going is actually parent, grandparents and great-grandparents have great influence on modeling their faith for the next generation. And then it shows also that, that there needs to be a church. That, that churches need to be intentional with mentoring programs and family ministries because the church is supposed to come alongside families and again, breathe out what they have breathed in onto the next generation. That is how they go on with their faith. And so we have all these, these things, this culture, these parents, grandparents, great-grandparents and church community, all influencing our kids, all influencing them hopefully for the good. And so what can we do to ensure that we are passing on, that we are breathing out onto the next generation the positive things? Number one, we can focus on the quality of of your own relationships. Parents, and and I'll say this, and I'm I'm in this, I I realize how busy we get and how much, you know, how, how easily our calendars fill up. But if your only intentional time with your kids is going to and from a sporting event or a band concert or on the way to school, we have to carve out more intentional time to speak into our kids, to to develop that quality, that margin, that pause to create these moments where we actually get to have conversations with our kids about what we are learning what God has done for us, how we've seen God work. And, and even I'll say this for, for take the parents out of it, but as coworkers, as, as, as we go to our places of business or we are out in the community, we are always rushing. We're always trying to get to the next place. Take a pause, create some margin to where you can actually talk to people about our great God and what he does because God is living and active. God is very much alive in this world we have to carve out and test the quality of our own relationships and focus on them. 
We have to breathe out what we're breathing in. Number two, we have to belong to a faith community. We cannot do this alone. We cannot pass on all of the knowledge and all of the wisdom into the next generation by ourselves. We need people to come alongside of us. We need people to stand in the gaps. And I'll say this, man, I am begging, I am praying right now that I would have godly men come alongside my son Zion and just hang out with them, love them, pour into them, teach them the things that they know. I, I, I desire that. And we all need that for people to fill in the gaps where we can't. We need it. Number three, churches should focus on the family unit. That's one thing that we are desiring to do as a family ministries team from Kindle all the way up to Forge is that we want to partner with, with parents and families. You see our, our Kindle families doing it. Um, as, as Brooke, my, the director of that, my wife, she, she kind of partners with the families to, to help equip them. The children's ministry, they're doing this orange philosophy where they realize that their, their role is to partner with families. For Fusion and Forge, we want to create moments where we can connect with parents and we need to do a better job of it. We, we are trying to create moments, even sending parent newsletters. I'm in a sex dating and relationship series right now and I've been sending parents awkward questions to ask their teens. And it's, it's good, but it's, it's just because I want and my desire for us to focus on the family as a whole. Last thing that we need to do, we need to think about the long-range view. We can't get co- so caught up whenever our students fail, our kids fail, and they, they fall and they slip up. We have to keep this long-range view and say, I want to do everything and I want to aim towards the heart. I want to do my role and I want to breathe out the things of God and I'm going to aim for the heart. We have to know that they will remember, they will see how you live your faith out and they will reproduce it. Hebrews 13, 7, and I'll end with this as the band kind of comes back out. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Considering the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. It's so important for us to, to be able to look around and see the people that are imitating, that are, that, are, that are leading us, and then we imitate their faith. And so the last question again, how are you going to choose to breathe in and breathe out? You're breathing in and you're breathing out something. What do you need to, to, to reshape or refocus in your life to focus on breathing in the things of God and breathing out the things of God? It has to be a natural rhythm. It has to be this natural thing that you are doing over and over that we are doing because you can't do one or the other. Let me pray for us and the band will come out and lead us in this song that speaks exactly this, that in the end of the day that, that we want his praise to be on our lips. We want his praise to be ever on our lips and that's what we want to pour out or breathe out in the next generation. Join me in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you that you take the time to breathe your breath into us. Thank you that you are the giver of breath and the giver of life. May we never take that for granted. And because you and your breath is in our lungs, may we use it for you to bring you glory, to speak of your majesty, to praise you in everything that we do. May we remember that our call as believers, as people, 
is to constantly be breathing in more and more of you and breathing out onto other people so other people can can hear the knowledge and the wisdom and the experiences that you are real and that you are a living God. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen.